Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Adam Mates, and I'm joined by the star of the show, legendary Denver Nuggets coach, George Carl. George, it's good to see you. Adam Mates. Mates. How do you roll that R? Like, Man, yeah, you got to have a little flair to you. Mates. Come Mares. on, you can try it. Um, well, how are you this week? I know it was a rough weekend for you. I'm, I'm piling on. You guys don't know George, obviously a huge North Carolina guy. The big rivalry game this weekend. No, we got beat up. We got beat up by Duke. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my Tar Heel alumni were there. And we, I think we're all trying to figure out the plan for NIL. Really? You know, what is NIL? What should we do? Or, you know, how can we help, you know? Uh, it just seems like other schools are a little farther ahead on this, and um, you know, I mean, Carolina's going to be a, a tournament team, and they're going to maybe hopefully get by the first week. But uh, I thought Duke was had much more talent, and I felt that way probably the last two or three years uh, with the Duke Carolina matchup. What do you think of the NIL? Though, like, you know, I think a lot of teams are trying to figure this out, and I think it actually is going to have sweeping change. I actually feel like this last three-month stretch is, you know, it, at first the, the rule got made, and I think everybody's like, okay, where do we go with this? But I, you're starting to see, I mean, in CU, the football team, almost everybody transferred out. I suspect NIL had a lot to do with that. Do you feel like it's a thing where college athletes and college schools now are like, hey, here's how we take advantage of this? Um, I don't know that answer. I've asked that question to maybe 20 people. If I flew back from uh, Raleigh Durham and Ted Boyle was on the plane, I had a short conversation with him about it. I don't think we know. I think, uh, I don't know. I think the rule is basically the state that you are in are the ones that are going to set the guidelines. Yeah. So I think you might have 50 different rules and regulations. And, uh, you know, California is probably going to be more money. Colorado, you know, I don't know. North Carolina, I don't know. I think private schools are going to have a little more of an advantage over public schools yeah. because there's going to be, have to be a, a more transparency with the right. public schools and the private schools. Um, and for me, I want to save the student-athlete. I don't want the student-athlete to go away. I don't yeah. know what exactly that means. You know, does that mean we have an elite... 65 team 
big big division and then as student athlete second i don't i have no idea what right. that means so i think there's next five ten years there'll probably be some direction and some plans that people will start copying maybe but right now it's uh I think it's got a lot of people kind of in a state of limbo of what what should we be doing? Right. And what we're doing, is that is it enough? Or do we, you know, what, what changes do we need to make? And it feels, you know, like football's obviously the, you know, the top dog here and, and the one that's most impacted by us where all the money is. But it does feel like it happened so quick. I mean, it happened so slowly in some ways in terms of like paying athletes, but it happened so quick and that it just arrived and now everybody's like, okay, sorting through the paperwork of what does this mean? And I do think the schools that are smarter or I don't even know if smarter is the right word, but the ones that figure that question out soonest are going to have an enormous I advantage. I think the ones that are going to be bold. Be bold. There you go. I think the ones that are going to be bold spend the money and maybe get sued or maybe get you right. know, their hands slapped. I think the ones that are going to be successful early are the ones that are going to take some chances. So what do you think about – it's interesting because this is adjacent to this year in the Rising Star game. I know not the biggest game of the year, but the All-Star weekend, they try to the NBA tries to highlight the young players. This year there is also, in addition to rookies, sophomores, there's also a G League team. Right. Because they really want – before this NIL thing, they the NBA really wanted to get top – NBA prospects to skip college and come and do training kind of on their terms. So how do you, do you like that plan? You like the student athlete. Part of me wonders if you took away, there's not that many top prospects. You took away the top 10 prospects and sent them there. Then maybe you have in some ways a more pure form of college athletes where it's like, Hey, these guys aren't one and done. They're actually at least two year type guys that are in college. Well, I saw that team play. They played my son's team, Kobe's team. Oh, that's right. And uh, Jason Hart, a, p a player that we we drafted in Milwaukee and I got to know very well, is the coach of that team. So I spent some time with him. I think the program is in a good place. Uh, you know, the NBA has a plan. They expanded it a little bit this year. They're paying more money this year. And I think they don't, they don't want to have 35 young players. They want the best five or ten young players right. that they can get. Right. And, they, and, and, and they'll build it around that. I don't know if they have a student component to the program. Um, they have an, I'll call it education, but it's less about student. It's more, I think they're trying to educate them to be professionals, right. meaning like agency, how to work with an agency and, and right. sponsorship, those types, like more maybe applicable right. education. Well, I think that's good. Then I want to know what, when these guys fail in the NBA, can they go back to college? Right. Can they go back and play Division Two or Division One? I don't mm. know. Um, you know, I, I think the I think the pros are looking at it, and the college now are looking at it, and they don't really have time to come with a plan together. Right. I think they're both kind of experimenting. And maybe in three years or five years, there'll be something that can connect uh, the philosophies of both of them. But uh, the game is changing. The system is changing. 
I don't think I don't even know if we have amateur basketball anymore, to be honest with you. Right, right. That's a bit. I I think you're absolutely right about this. As somebody though that played Division uh, two slash three basketball, <laughs> going up against somebody that trained in the G League, <clears throat> dominate me. I'm sorry, that's the, yeah. that might be a little tough. All I know is my daughter chose to go. My my daughter's a senior in high school, and she chose Wash U in St. Louis, which is a Division three school, right. and I was happy. Yeah, of course. I was happy that we didn't have to go to. Through the NIL, or right, right, or you know the, you know she's a soccer player, so there's always partial scholarships, and coaches can give them and they can take them away, and it, it was really kind of I'm going wow, we're now, yeah we're getting far afield on this, but I really do believe that Division two and Division three sports are like what sports used to be 50 years ago. They're true student athletes, and that you're getting you're playing, you're competing, you're traveling, you're doing those things, but the education part is still as it is more important uh, the, than the actual sport part. So it's what I think it's supposed to be. But we got to keep it moving here. Before we get started, though, because we have to talk. George Carl's going to beat me up today, guys. I'm not going to lie. Because uh, so, I know he's unhappy with the Nuggets standing pat. And we're going to talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk about expectations for this team. We're even going to talk about the big deals and how they've reshaped the NBA. Um, but before we get started on that, I want to remind you guys, Keeping It 1000 is a co-production with DNVR and Truth in Media, which is George Carl's media company. They've got some awesome podcasts going on at Truth Plus. They're producing great content, not just podcasts, but also some social stuff. So you want to check out their newest show, Run It Back. What do you want to tell me about Run It Back? Uh, the one that hit today or yesterday is Jameer Nelson at St. Joseph. Jameer, that was a golden era team. Jameer man. Nelson is a fantastic speaker. And tells a really good story. I love Jameer Nelson. I love you. Talk about you have an affinity for point guards, like true point guards. That's who we could have picked up in the draft. That's who we, that's who we needed. Jameer Nelson. We needed that. A younger Jameer. Nelson. Oh, younger Jameer. Well, I have a theory about this guy. I've been doing like, you know, you're obviously very influential on in how I think about talking to you and how I look at at at, at the game and in, in the NBA. And I'm thinking, you know, the NBA is going younger and younger. And I had a great, com you know, Michael Malone yesterday talked, I asked him about Bones Highland because Bones wrote plays on his wrist because he, for reference, you know, almost like a quarterback has. He had reference there. And I asked him, I said, hey, is it hard for young players to learn the playbook? I, you know, it seems like it's struggling this or that. He said, it's not the young players learning the playbook. It's knowing when to utilize the playbook. When do I get this guy a shot? When do they're in the bonus? When do I get a, what play do I call that when a team's in the bonus really puts pressure on them not to foul or whatever? And I'm thinking, like, that's not a skill, in my opinion, that most NBA players, even if they're talented point guards, come into the NBA at. That takes a long time to sort of develop mm. those at the NBA level. And I wonder if the NBA is a less patient league than it used to be. A lot of young players. And I wonder if the reason we don't have a lot of true point guards is because we don't have a lot of, hey, it's going to take five years to get this guy up to speed. <clears throat> Same reason we don't have a lot of big guys, right? Maybe. Um I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think you can take the point guard out of the game. I, you know, when I was in the game six, seven years ago, I thought the point guard was the number one position on the court. I know it's changed that we've gone to the bigger point guard. Uh, you know, the Giannis is a point guard. LeBron's a point guard. Doncic is a point guard. Uh, but in the same sense, an orchestrator of the game, a director of the game, a quarterback of the game, I still think is the easiest way to make your team play at its highest performance level. Now you can play two, a two guard front or you can take two average decision makers and play them in the backcourt. 
but it just doesn't create the flow and the rhythm and uh, and the momentum of playing at a high, high level of togetherness and unity. And at least that's my belief. Um, but I agree with you. You've been influential on me on the, in this very point. And I honestly believe in a large reason why I think the Phoenix Suns are so good is they have really smart players, but they have the guy that gets everything situated. The guy that we could have had here. The guy that Denver could have had here, no question about it. A lot of teams probably kicking themselves for that one, but definitely Denver. But my question is, you said the next Jameer Nelson. Why don't they address the ne- next one? I think the <clears> next, there's Lucas that come in ready to go. They're very rare. And those guys are superstars. But the next Jameer Nelson, the next guy who, hey, Jameer Nelson, I believe, was a four-year college player, three- or four-year college player, and then comes in and, and you know goes through the process. I just don't know if the NBA is patient enough anymore mm-hmm. for that or if it's set up in a way that the risk of having the Emmanuel Moutier, the next Emmanuel Moutier, is outweighs for most teams, whether it should or shouldn't, outweighs the, hey, this is a guy that in three years is going to be ready to run the point. Because the point what, is like the quarterback. The guy? Takes what's, time. That, what's the guy in Memphis? John Morant. Is he not a point guard? But he's a superstar. That's my point is they come around, but they are top three picks. And they're – what is the next yeah, – you're because you're right. Like I'm thinking more of almost the next like um, Mike Conley. Like Mike Conley is a great player, but he wasn't John Morant the superstar. Like he's, he's, you know, he's just like a good floor general. I, was, I would take Mike Conley right now. Yeah, but there's about five Mike Conleys. There's Chris Paul, there's Mike Conley, there's Kyle Lowry. Maybe you could say Ricky Rubio. There's just not many, and that's my point. A lot of, if you're going to make it in the NBA at a point guard, a lot of times it takes two or three-year investment, and teams just don't make two or three-year investments on anybody. <clears throat> Unless they're stars in year one. <clears throat> I don't think you're going to win big without one. Yeah. I'm just going to point blank say it. Denver is going to have trouble winning it right now. Winning a championship unless they get somewhat of a point guard presence. Jamal Murray's not that guy in your opinion. He's a, he's a great player. He's a great backup point guard. He's. <laughs> I think do you he, mean a great shooting guard or a great backup? Well, I, I think he can play 20 minutes at point guard. Oh, oh, I see. But I don't want okay. him playing 35 minutes at point guard. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Putting putting a true point guard alongside I mean, him. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it more to give Jokic a break. Okay. From making all the decisions of making other guys better. Okay. Um, so the Nuggets didn't make a move at the draft. Are you, were you surprised by that? And I, I, I'm going to ask you if you're disappointed, even though I know the answer. But were you surprised by it, and are you disappointed by it? Yeah. I'm always, I always want to be proactive. I want a dice roll. I only care if we took a chance on a flyer of a guy with a bad attitude or a bad contract for a year. Um. And I, I thought they would filter out their, their roster a little bit. I thought they would maybe get rid of some contracts or get rid of the log jam that they have in their rotation. Who would you have gotten rid of? You know, that, that, who, are the, who are the guys, at least, that are on that on the block? I mean, you, you got a backup. You, I mean, uh, you got... I mean I, I, I mean, I don't even know all the guys, you know. They got, they're, they're not playing Reed and... Right, yeah. And and Bones. Bones, yeah. You know, they Brent were, the, that used to be 12 and 13. Now they're playing. Right. And, you know, the, what's that do to Austin Rivers? What does what does that do to the time that you have to distribute amongst their players? And and I just don't, I, people don't, don't give the respect of building a rotation that is consistent, that builds confidence, that builds connection, that builds a teamness and a oneness. 
by playing all these young guys. It looks good when they play well. And hey, I like Bones and I like Reed. But do I like them playing in the second round of an NBA playoff game? Without, I want connection. I want, I want unity. I don't want potential in my system come playoff time. Do you feel like that Denver, I mean, Zeke Nagy is another name you didn't even mention, but another young player that's sort of playing in the rotation. Davon Reed, we'll see. He's been in and out. I'm not sure if he is or if it's just like he's the next guy that fills I keep in. hearing he's going to be in the rotation in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the secret whispers is Davon Reed's going to play. Well, Bones Highland, certainly they're making an investment in. I mean, he's played in every game and he's playing a lot of minutes. Do you feel like then, to your point, because I'm with you, those guys scare me. They go up against uh, Phoenix. I love their potential, but you put up, go up against Phoenix. Come on, they're going to get murdered by Chris Ball. Like, who, did, who did Phoenix pick up? Uh, Tory Craig. I thought Phoenix quietly got better. Tory Craig, Aaron Holiday. Tory Craig and Aaron Holiday. What are they? Role players. They play their butts off defensively. Narrow, narrow role, yeah. And if they if they have to come up against a John Morant, Tory Craig might be playing. Right. He might get a fifteen minute defensive assignment on the guy. Do you, you know they they were planning for success by and, and they, those two guys might never play. Do you feel like Denver committing to Bones? I mean, not making a trade that would have brought somebody in and Zeke Naji and Davon Reed. Is it clear mm-hmm. it looks like those guys will be in the rotation? Do you think maybe that signals that they are looking at this season as whatever happens, that's fine? Like maybe that's you might even say that, realistically looking at it saying, I don't the know. The feeling I get is they're saying that whatever happens, they have an excuse. <laughs> and I hate, I hate that. I hate an organization. Yeah giving excuses before you need to use them. And I'm, I'm tired of the excuses that everybody makes about this team. They were good enough to be a contender four years ago, and it took them, they lost two years trying to mess around. They have been a contender now for three years. And, but they haven't been assertive enough for me. They have not been aggressive enough for me. They haven't been, they, they worry too much about winning the press conference and not kicking someone rolling the dice and see if it works. So what would have an example of a trade like that been, especially seeing the players that got moved? <clears throat> you know, I didn't study it. You know, I don't yeah. study the rosters as much as I used to study it, but I, I would like a veteran playmaking yeah. backcourt dude. Right. Um, you know, a guy that in a, in, a, in a certain playoff situation might have to move into being a starter. Do you think that Bones Highland in one year from now, calendar year from now, can be that player? Or do you think the runway for a player to become a good point guard like that is way longer than one year? I hope it's one year, but I I, I don't... I mean, I I think he'll be a good player. Right. I think he'll move up. I mean, Malone has a culture. Guys get better. Right. But their rotation of trying to win a championship they are developing players more than they are developing a roster to win a championship. And, and that's not this year. That's been consistent. That potential development of young players is more important than taking a chance on a veteran guy that might not have enough left, but might have enough left and see where we go with him. Let's go through the roster and talk championship player then. I mean, Jokic is a championship player. Right. Aaron Gordon, I think, I think is a championship player. He's going to learn, but he can be. Yeah, he has the skill set and the body, yeah, the, yes. all, all those things. He has the talent to be, but talent. he's potentially 
a really? championship player. So he's a guy that even you would consider. Any player that hasn't been in the dance in the championship round of the conference probably isn't a championship player yet. Let me rephrase what I'm trying to get at here. I'm wanting to look at the guys. I'm trying to get your perspective of, okay, from where does Denver go from here to your opinion being bold and going all in? So to me, I think Jokic is clearly a guy that you feel confident that even though he hasn't proven it, He's a guy that you say, that's a guy we can win a championship. I think Aaron Gordon is another well, guy. He's been in a championship round of a conference. Right, <laughs> right, right. You're saying he's been to the Western Conference Finals. Right. right. I think Aaron Gordon is a guy that you're right. He has to prove it on the biggest stage, and we don't know how they'll happen. But I feel confident saying he's a guy I'll, I'll enter the battle with. He, he has skills that can, yeah. can show up on that stage. You're right. I think Jamal Murray is also that guy. I give you that. And he has been on that stage as well. Um, those three guys, I think, are the locks. I don't think there's any other locks at the moment. Do you? Is there somebody else you look at and say that is a a guy? I think Willie Bar. I think Will Barton is that type of player. If he was a bench player and was happy coming off right. the bench, lighting up people. So, so he is just not necessarily in the correct role, and, and the, the right. attitude, at least publicly, has not. Right. He hasn't really embraced that. Maybe Denver will. By the way, I mean, it is possible when we talk about roster construction that they get a lesser player, but who is more suited for what that starting lineup needs and and um can take that on and your teams have had those types of guys i mean dante jones was a guy who was maybe less talented than a jr smith or something of this when we just talk about basketball talents but significantly better at the role for which you needed with your best teams i think they're really i think i i actually was i i was answering a question on um Hall of Fame players. I personally don't think the glue guy, the role guy that fits and makes their team better in, in Seattle right. than Nate McMillan. Right, right. The Bruce Bowen, the Robert Horry. Yeah. The guy that fits the personality of the team but doesn't have numbers, but has grit, has professionalism, has toughness, yeah. has winning. All the little intangibles of winning a playoff game when you weren't the best team on the court. It's not about talent. Right. It's not about talent. Right. It's not about it's be, being there before, understanding what you got to do and make the commitment to doing it. I, I mean, I know fans going, what the hell is he talking about? But it's the, it's the savvy of the game. It's the instincts of the game. It's the... Because when two equal teams go against each other, a lot of the outcome is little things. It's not the big, it's not the superstar. It's the guy that comes in and gives you 15 minutes that you never thought you were going to get from him. I think, I think fans maybe do see it. I certainly preach this all the time. I mean, I talk about the 2014 Spurs. It's funny how we talk about them historically. Because the conversation I hear sometimes with that one is, you know, the, the Heat were tired. They ran out of steam. They were ready to break up. I say, no, they weren't. They got their ass kicked by a way better team. They didn't maybe have the name recognition or, you know, you go one for one, who's better here, who's better here. You might have leaned towards heat from a raw talent point standpoint. But what you're talking about, that 2014 team, which destroyed them in five games, that was a that's what you're talking about. That was a collection of guys that all knew the role, all came together, and the teamness for them far outweighed the talentness of the heat, of the Miami Heat. They destroyed them. They it wasn't close. They demoralized them. I mean, Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron, they walked off the court beaten. They were, they, they, 
I would say half the time, the best, the most talented team does not win the NBA championship. Mm. Maybe more, in my mind. The most talented roster doesn't win. The, and potential is usually not a part of the personality of a, of a championship team. Players have to arrive, have to go through the experience, learn from that experience, and when they get back, have the ability to change the little things that will make them winners in that experience rather than losers. What I love about this and what I think is so funny, I want to get back to us talking going line by line about whether these are guys or not guys, but what I like about this is the Los Angeles Lakers are a major story right now because they collected some talent and that talent is atrocious. Like it has not come together, you know, in the, they're the opposite. If you had the scale of talent versus teamness, they are all the way on one end of the, of the spectrum and 0% on this other end of the spectrum. And what's funny about it is I do look back to that 2014 era and think how many guys, including superstar guys learned the appropriate lesson from that season. Cause again, it was, they were tired as that we got to change. We got to get this, that when I was like, no, San Antonio did it the way you're talking about, and it came together for them and made them significantly better than what I think they even get credit for, because as you mentioned, they dominated the entire playoffs that year. Um, so I think there is something to that, and it gives hope to, we just saw Brooklyn, same thing, Kyrie, KD, James Harden, who can compete with that talent? Fizzled out for a bunch of reasons, but one of it fizzled out, I think, for what you're talking about is they have put no effort into forming a team in exactly. the way that you're talking about. And I actually think their trade makes them better. <laughs> well, the reason I say that is because I know there's a lot of negative energy on Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons knows how to make a team go. Right. He makes guys better. Yeah. He's a distributor of the ball. Yeah, he can't shoot. Hey, Magic Johnson could not shoot the first 10 years in the NBA. It's got to be now Steve Nash's problem to find ways like Giannis, when Giannis didn't win the championship, they come back. What is he doing differently? He played center. You know, LeBron went to the point guard. Giannis went to win a championship. They gave the ball to Holiday. Right. That's a and, hard thing to and, do and, when you've and, had the ball your whole career. And and that's what it's all about, figuring it out. And, you know, I, I don't think Doc gave Ben Simmons much help. Right. Uh last year in the playoffs i mean it was very clear that he had lost his confidence somewhere in that series and i didn't see a dynamic change on maybe putting him in the dunker maybe putting him in a you know a, a, a pick a pick a picker of the pick and roll and rolling to the basket to where if he does catch the ball it'll be near the basket where he's more confident more more willing to to play like he's capable of playing so uh I mean, I, I I think Harden, I think Philly got better and New Jersey got, I mean, Brooklyn got better. But I think Brooklyn won the trade because of the number, the draft picks. All and, the other stuff, yeah. And Seth Curry and the, and the window for them to make it work right. is younger now. Right. Is much younger. I mean, just say Durant and Ben Simmons connect. Yeah. That's, that's four, that could be six, five, six years. Right. Of two of the best players in basketball playing together. Kyrie, yeah. we don't know about. I mean, I'm tired of Kyrie's whatever he's, whatever game he's playing. I mean, it's just extremely frustrating. Yeah. Um, 
it is it is interesting too. Just seeing, I, I wonder sometimes if players are moving almost away from this idea of like it's just talent, because there's been some high profile, not just flameouts. Like guys can lose with their buddies, whatever. But almost fracturing. I mean, we saw last night Kevin Durant refusing to pick James Harden, who was his friend eight months ago. And all of a sudden it went so far south that now he doesn't even want him on his all-star team and to do this or that. And I just wonder if there's a little bit of a slow recognition around the league and especially the next generation of player that looks at Giannis and says, I want that. And they look at LeBron and say, I don't want that. Even though he won, I don't want it that way. I want it this way. And a slow turning of the tide, I at least hope so. But the reason I think this conversation is so interesting Mm -hmm. is when we talk about the Denver Nuggets and are they close to a championship, this or that, so often I think people go into the despair of, well, the Lakers are going to get everybody. The Heat are going to get everybody. This is going to get it. And your point is, Denver has a lot of talented players. It's now about figuring it out with the right collection of talent, and that might even mean, in some cases, lesser players that complete totally the team. Totally and completely. And I and I, I don't want to knock, but you cannot young young potential players don't play on championship teams. They got to be proven, right? And the guy you got to prove number one is Porter Jr. Right. Well, that's what I was. He was Bones, the next one Bones Holland isn't even on the list. He's a lower lower player at the I moment. I mean, if you're going to take Porter Jr. growing up and Bones Holland, you want Porter Jr. to grow up. Is he? He's the next player I'll ask you. Is he? Potential. Champ- but is he a, do you think it's realistic to hope he would, and within one year's time, he can be a championship player? The odds say no, but there are exceptions to the rule. There are exceptions. I mean, Magic Johnson in his rookie year wins the NBA championship. But there are exceptions, but they usually aren't players that don't, that I still don't know what Porter Jr. is. Does he come back from his injury? Has he become more of a four? Or has he become more of a, a, a softer player? Right. Tell me. It's a fair I, question. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, I know he wants to play on the perimeter more than be inside, but I want him to be able to play everywhere and let the team tell him where to play. Where would you most want to use him? Like, where, what do the Nuggets need from him most for, him, for the Nuggets to become a championship contender? I think he's got to play both. I like Three him. and four. I, a lot of teams, I think he's a great shooting four. Okay. A tremendous. I think that matchup is easier to get to than at three. There are more good defenders at three than at four. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I think a rebounder, too, is a big part of this. He's I got mean, good rebounding skills. He does. He does. You know what's interesting, though, is his numbers from when he's playing the three or playing the four, they really impact how he, well he rebounds. I've, I've seen like a, a, a deep dive on this about who is he playing alongside. Is he playing alongside Aaron Gordon or Jermichael Green or this or that? Or is he playing along, say, Will Barton at the three? You know, when he's the bigger player, he tends to be inside more, rebounding more. When he's the smaller player, tends to be outside, shooting more. You kind of need to figure out a way where he you get the best of both, regardless of who he's playing with. Well, you know, it reminds me a little bit of when we had Gallo and Wilson Chandler. Yeah. We didn't know who was the three, who yeah. was the four. It was the matchup that told yeah. us where he was. You know, when you're covered with a little guy, you play... You play inside, you cover with the big guy, you play outside. How do you get the most out of them being interchangeable? Because that's one of the questions for Denver is, you're right, they're both forwards. Small forward, I don't know. But they're both, we have Eminem and Aaron Gordon together, they're both forwards. But how do you get them? Is it 
read and react basketball than reading the court quicker so that it doesn't matter who starts in this spot in this one? I think I, I'm, I, would, I would try to magnify because I think Gordon has shown me that he is a pro. He, he will do what Malone wants him to do and yeah. do it with, at a high level of focus and intensity. Porter Jr., I think, is younger and probably I don't feel as confident that he will buy different roles in different circumstances. Uh, so for me, I would probably play Gordon and Porter um, 10 to 12 minutes together and then figure out do they finish the game together. Gotcha. And then you got another 20 to 30 minutes where they'll be separate if necessary. Now, if your best team is both of them on the court more, that's cool. Play position, positionless basketball. That's, uh, everybody's kind of like, likes that word. Uh, and I, I think they're both smart enough. Their basketball IQ is strong enough. Gordon is definitely good enough defensively uh, to flip-flop them around and use them to where it can become an asset to your team as much as a failure to your team. If you could, I know this is a hypothetical, it doesn't even make sense, but if you're the, the GM of the Denver Nuggets right now and you could trade Michael Porter Jr. for Mike Conley, would you make that trade? Uh, yes. Well, the reason I brought the, him up specifically is he's old. He doesn't have a long time I, left I in the NBA. I would want more than just Mike Conley. Sure. But... The Nuggets are better if you swap those two. Forget value, just do you think they're better? Yes. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. <laughs> I mean, you're better as a playoff right, contending right. basketball team. Do you win more games? Maybe, maybe not. But when you get into the playoffs, I feel a hell of a lot better. Uh, Monte Morris. Love him. Championship player. Ben, bench guard. Bench. Has a chance. Has a chance. I'm not sold on that. I, w I mean... If he plays like he plays now for another three or four years, then I'm probably happier about his experience of being that guy. And, and again, the league is changing, as you said. I mean, do we have great point guards that just are point guards? We don't have as many as we right. had maybe five years ago. So is that, going, that trend's going to continue? Uh, it seems that way in college basketball. There are more scoring point guards than ever before. The thing in college basketball is you win with guards. Right. You can win. You can upset people with guards. And so I think coaches are giving them more freedom to be assertive and and uh, and they're they're coming out of the woodwork a little bit. Yeah. Zeke Naji. Yes. He has a mature game. Like he has a. You talk about role players. He's a guy that like does the things he does, and he doesn't really color outside the lines, you know. So I wonder, is he a championship caliber player right now? Adam, come on, come on! Hasn't even had a champ. He hasn't had one good full season. <laughs> He's had only a handful of good games, yeah, I mean, really. Come on, <laughs> it's a potential. Yeah, the potential's good. But I mean, a player like him, we're not, asking... <laughs> we're not playing fantasy sport. If, if you want to play fantasy sport, you probably want him on your roster. But here's a, but I'm asking this one genuinely. He guards. He does. He's a low mistake player. He guards on the perimeter extremely well, and he shoots the three. He doesn't do. Does anything he not else. conflict you? What do you mean? 
He's a little soft inside. That's what that's the problem I have with I mean, him. does he not conflict you? Why am I playing him when I got to play Porter Jr.? I mean, I, I don't think I give that guy any minutes if I have Porter Jr. on my roster. Okay. Porter Jr.'s got to get all those minutes. Okay. Jermichael Green? He's one of those two guys. Okay. Yeah. Is a, is a good backup. Yeah. That's going to play 1,500 minutes a game a year. Maybe less. Yeah. I've just got this phone and I don't know how to turn off notifications. And somebody's hitting or this watch. So I'm getting all these text messages here. Mm -hmm. um, let's hit our first break here. On the other side, I want to bounce around uh, the NBA and some of these other big moves and just kind of ask you how it's reshaped. Uh, the NBA and maybe some trends. But first, of course, our presenting sponsor is always, guys, DraftKings Sportsbook. By the way, biggest week of the year, weekend of the year, I should say, for sports gambling. By far, I don't have a... Do you have a dog in the fight this weekend, Rams, Bengals? Oh, man, not really. Me neither. Uh, I'm probably, because I'm a Steeler fan, I probably tilt a little bit. I love. I like the quarterback. He's a little cocky dude. I kind of. I like how he... Oh, oh, for you're saying for the for Cincinnati? Okay, all right. Yeah, but in the same way, I like Stafford because I I think I like guys who kind yeah. of had his had have their head beaten up a little bit because they they, they spent ten years in Detroit. So there's a, and and I'd like to see Stan Kroenke get a championship. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Um, I might lean slightly to, more towards Rams as well. Von Miller connection uh, more than anything, but what I don't really have a horse. And I don't know if you know that Donald, the greatest defensive player in the history of football, went to my high school. Is that right? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. Um, but I'm telling you, this is a great weekend for sports gambling. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official betting partner of Super Bowl 56. They're giving the new customers that deal 56 to 1 odds on either team. So pick a team. You get 50, uh, 256 to 1 odds. Not a new customer. You can still experience Super Bowl 50 with Super Bowl 56 props instead. I'll tell you the props that uh, RK, our DNVR bets guy, told me. Eight of the last 10 kick opening kickoffs have been returned, not touchback. And you could bet on that. This is what's great about the NFL. You could literally bet on the weirdest heads or tails, whatever. Eight of the last 10, I think guys are so excited. Allegedly, they bring out a ball that they put it. They take to Canton afterwards. So it's like a ball that's not worn out, worn in or anything. It's a brand new one. Kicks goes a little inside info. So I bet on this is the first prop I have. I'm going to have a million props. But my first one, first kickoff will be returned, not a touchback. You can do these type of things that just makes watching it a lot more fun, especially if you don't have a dog in the fight. You make all these bets, all of a sudden you're invested in it. It's a lot of fun. You can also combine multiple bets for the same game for a bigger parlay uh, payout in those same game parlays. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, best of all. You can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. Da so head to the uh, your app store, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code DNVR, get that 56 to one odds uh, on your first bet. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply, see DraftKings. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Nuggets stood pat. They were not bold. Some other teams were pretty bold. I'm going to start with Sacramento. What about, can we pick a guy up? Can the Nuggets pick up a guy? Who would you pick up? I don't know who's going to be released. Goran Dragic. That's a good name. Is he a true point guard? He's a mix. Yeah, but he... he it's probably better than what you got. Really? Well, there you go. Goran Dragic maybe is a guy. I think he might be connected to Dallas, might be connected to some I'm, of the places. I'm sure it's – I think Dallas is where I hear. This yeah. Slovenian connection there. I mean, there, there's some familiarity. 
Um, I don't know what other big names in terms of like from the guard spot uh, you can expect to be available, but I don't know that Denver's going to have a big one. I mean, they have DeMarcus Cousins. Maybe Robin Lopez is another name I've heard. Um, <laughs> I should ask you about DeMarcus Cousins and how you feel the DeMarcus Cousins experiment has gone so far. I haven't seen many, uh, many of his minutes. Skilled. I, I definitely think he's a good pickup. I think it's a good dice roll. Uh, I don't know about his injuries. I don't know what he's lost, if he's lost anything. But his skills, his skill set is good enough to win a playoff game. Right. He can play a 20-minute role in a playoff game. It might give you a game, might, might help you get over the hump when you might not be the best team in that game. So um, I, 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 I don't know how many teams you're going to have to play big against. Right. It seems like the West right now has gotten smaller than the East in a lot of ways. I mean, other than Denver. Right. You don't have to play big against Gobert. Right. Well, teams have had success not playing big against him. Robin Lopez or DeMarcus Cousins, who who would be a better fit in Denver? I would probably take Cousins. Really? Yeah, I'd probably take Cousins. Even, you know, both are pretty good, but uh, I just think... Uh, my, 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 my saying is DeMarcus can make the three. Right. Um, and a little bit like Gordon, I think what I see in the last six weeks is Gordon and Jokic are catching a, a two-man game going. They have great chemistry, I think. And uh, I'm not saying that's going to be a big part of NBA basketball, but it's, an, it's a new personality to the game. Right. I'm always trying to figure out how the game can get better. And I think Gordon Jokic has made made this offense really, really efficient. I think so, too. I am excited about those two's chemistry because right now they're sort of a one-two option for Denver in a lot of ways. And I think when you get Jamal Murray back and maybe a Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon maybe becomes a three or four, fourth option. And he's been so good that that's a heck of a fourth option if you have that kind of chemistry. How about being a bench option? Aaron Gordon? Well, I'm just saying there's... You know, Somebody in my, my time, there's always one guy, you know, in, in Utah is John Stockton. And in, in, in Seattle, when I coached in Seattle, it was Deadless Shrimp. That we took out of the game early, always, almost always the first guy out of the game, and he went back in with the bench. Who would that be for Denver if I gave you the four main guys? Let's forget Barton for a moment. But if I gave you Murray, Porter, everybody healthy, of course. Murray, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. Who's the guy that you would say you're the primary carrying the second unit guy? My gut says right now Murray because he wants he wants to shoot it. What's interesting? So when you bring yeah. him back in, you let him go? What's interesting about that to me is the Jokic-Murray two-man game is so deadly. But I kind of like starting the game with that and ending the game with that, but not letting the team get too comfortable with it in the middle so that when they are, they have to guard all these other actions then the last five minutes, they have to adjust on the fly. I was told about, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago by Marty Schottenheimer that they all, their best defense, they found out early that it was, it was working early in the game. They would keep it right. for the fourth quarter. And we used to play that way. When I was in Seattle, when we had a lot of changing defenses, we had one defense, it's called Laker Red. We never used it until the fourth quarter. <laughs> the game is getting that way, though, especially in the playoffs. I feel like there's a lot of that 
live with something for three quarters. Try to do your best at it. But we have our, this is the one we're going to win the game with when it's on the line, both offense and defense. And that's part of what makes, I mean, the NBA. That's one, another reason I like Gordon. I think Gordon is an offensive rebounder in the fourth quarter. Interesting. In the Which fourth I think quarter is specifically. a top five winning basketball play. I, the Nuggets in the Jokic era have been top three in offensive rebounding every single season until this one. They're average this year. And I think that's a I think that's an important indicator. I think that's something that's gone a little bit overlooked. That for some reason Denver's just not rebounding the way they have in years past on the offensive end. Jokic is carrying him on the defensive rebound. I mean, he's doing that almost single handedly. I think I, I, my belief in offensive rebounding is it's more a talent of of uh, of the guys you have when you have Kenneth Freed and Costa Kufas. And guys like that, you're going to be a good offensive rebounding team. And I just don't think their big guys, they want their big guys are more into shooting threes than getting offensive rebounds. I think Jermichael Green is, but they're not using him in that role. He's a, he's on a bench. I think he's a good rebounder and could be interesting next to Jokic. But you sacrifice other things, and obviously they have an investment in Gordon and, and Porter and and some other guys there. Um, all right, so let's talk about some moves here. Oh, last one I'll ask you. Everybody wants to know. Gary Harris might be a buyout candidate. Is he a guy you would reunite in Denver if you could? Who are you, who are you getting rid of? Uh, I mean, they have an open roster spot should they decide. To, DeMarcus Cousins would be the guy. Or maybe you buy out a Faku or something like that to open a roster spot. Faku. I, I, I forgot he was on the roster. He hasn't played. <laughs> yes, he's out of the, I thought he was getting traded. <clears throat> um. I'm a Gary Harris fan, <clears throat> but I'd say no. Why? I say I, I say you're going back, and you know, I'm, I don't know how Gary's played. I haven't seen them play very much. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more frustrated with the clutter of the roster than anything else. So this is kind of one of the things I've been saying is they have a lot of guys and they're not necessarily clearly who's the better or worse. They're just a little different, but they're kind of in parallel. And Gary, it sounds like if you brought him in, it doesn't change. That just adds another guy that's sort of different. Probably is going to add another guy that's better and is going to give him, if you give him an opportunity to show what he can do, then it's going to piss someone else off. <laughs> it's probably true. It's probably true. All right, let's talk about some of these other deals. Sacramento made a huge move. Uh, one of the, they were the first big move to happen at this deadline a couple days before. <laughs> they brought in DeMontis Sabonis, and they got rid of a potential player in Tyrese Halliburton as well as Buddy Hild and, and uh, Tristan Thompson. But DeMontis Sabonis is the best player in that trade, and I'm a little bit surprised that everybody, if you go online and talk to you know, all the fans and, and even analysts, everybody thinks, what is Sacramento doing getting rid of a potential player? But you sound like you're a little bit more in on what Sacramento did because they got the better player. I would have traded the other point guard. Which one? Fox. I don't know if anybody wants Fox is but, on a big contract. But for me, they they kept an asset that I think Fox and Halberton are both starting point guards in the NBA. And and they have another point guard, the kid from uh, Baylor. He's Davion Mitchell, one of my favorites. And so I think your point guard position was can we get a special player for one of these three guys? Right. I don't think they pointed at Halliburton and said, that's our guy. We want to get rid of him. That was the guy that had a hot week just before trade deadline. He had 38 in one of the games. It was really good. 
And I think he was the hot guy that brought Sabonis. I think Halliburton's going to be really good. I think Sabonis is always going to be good. Sabonis is not... He's not a star, but he, he gives you star numbers. I think he's like Jokic light. I, I really like him. I mean, I like a guy that can pass it, that understands the game better than guards understand it. Right. Uh, and has a little bit of an active rebound. I wish he'd be a little stronger and physical defensively. But I think it's... Uh, I actually thought it was uh, interesting. They added a starting... NBA all-star type player to the roster. Right. And Alburn's not that yet. Right. He's potentially that. Now, interesting question. Sacramento. Gave up potential. <laughs> they did give up, they, and they got something now. But here's what's interesting about that. Sacramento's the 11 seed right now. They have to climb, or maybe the 12 seed. They have to climb to get into the play-in just to have a chance. So part of me wonders, I'm with you about this idea of potential players and win-now players, but Sacramento's not a win-now team. I think it is in Sacramento. <laughs> well, I think it's a I think it's a playoff or they 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 would do anything to get into the play in game. Right, right. That kind of crazy. I mean, New Orleans seemingly doing the same thing. They're trying right. to get into the. It's not the playoffs. You're getting into the play in game. New Orleans might be trying. That might be a GM trying to save his job, which we see a lot of. I mean, that was a guy that you know. This is a make or break year, and you make a move that maybe doesn't make a ton of sense long term. But hey, you got to be the top. You got to be in that plan, and this maybe maybe helps him. I'm actually kind of low. What do you think about CJ McCollum there? I like Josh Hart, and I don't even know if he's a potential player. He was a he was in college for several years. He's now in his third year or fourth year in the NBA. To me, he's actually not a potential player. I kind of liked him. So I don't I don't like that trade. How did you feel about it? CJ McCollum, Josh Hart. Um, I don't think Josh Hart is in the same category as McCollum. But McCollum is is he is he now injury prone or is yeah. he at the end of his career? That would scare me, but I like McCollum as a kind of a Robin in a Batman scenario. Uh, I don't think he's the player, but would he make Zion better? I think he'd make Zion better. I, I think there's got to be a little idea of what they got now is they got some really talented young kids yeah. that haven't figured it out yet. And uh, the two guys from Duke, they got to figure it out for them to be good. I'm a little lower, I think, on CJ McCollum than you are. Uh, maybe I'm higher on Terry Stotts than you are. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not true. I think Terry Stotts got a lot out of him, and I don't know that, that Terry's a hell of an offensive coach. Yeah, one of the best in the league. They have they ran a really interesting offense with a lot of those flare screens and everything else that all <clears throat> always got those two guys. Open it's a, a jump lot. shooting offense, but yeah. it's it's definitely it gets it gets when you got guys that can shoot hard to guard. Yeah, you know, it's hard to guard. All right, let's go to the big one, James Harden. You referenced this earlier. First of all, here's what's interesting to me. James Harden might have lost all friends. I don't know if he has any more friends left. He's forced his way out now. Like We've seen this with different players, forcing their way. I want to go here. I want to do this or that. James Harden has done it in the most egregious way twice now in one year. Twice? Twice in one year. We're talking about 11 months that he has now done it. And you know, it's getting shorter. It was usually a two year probationary period for Chris Paul, (laughs) a one year probationary period for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And now it's, yeah, now, now who knows what's going on? But I, but part of me wonders too if, if, 
look, he's going to be good in Philadelphia because that's a really good setup for him to have a dominant one-on-one scoring big man. Now he's a dominant one-on-one scoring wing. You run a pick and roll. You can't switch because those those guys are going to roast the switch. So I think it's a good fit here. But I got to say, man, well, everything you just said about the team out does the talent at least more than half the time. That's a team that has a ton of talent. I do not buy James Harden, though, as a winning player. And I don't know if I buy him even as a, like, can get along with mm-hmm. another winning player like that. So I, as much as I buy the talent I there. I buy him beat. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're searching. And I think they're relying upon uh, Morley, Morey, to that he knows James Harden better than anybody else. Do you think uh, that's a good bet? Huh? Is that a good bet? I'm nervous, uh, but I like them. I like their. I like some of their other pieces. I think the kid from Washington is a hell of a defender. I think Maxie is it. Tyrese Maxie. I like guy. him. Yeah, I like him a lot in the backcourt as a young guard coming on. Um, you know, I thought the Harden trade when he went to Brooklyn was going to be a nightmare, and he proved me wrong. So because what do you I, mean I, he proved you wrong? Well, I thought last year when they were all playing together, right. I thought Harden realized he had to calm down and become the point guard. I didn't think that would happen. I thought it'd be a tug of war of shots and selection, and I thought I thought Harden was the uh, the adult in the room. Mm. And uh, but you know he's reverted back to being whatever you want to call him, and. I think he's got to prove that he can win in the big, at the biggest stage. That hasn't happened yet. He's yeah. I don't think he's gotten to a final. Oh, he got got. Did he get to a final in Oklahoma City? They did go to the one finals. Yep, 2011. Yeah. So yep, yep. Um, so it's interesting on on with Harden. I mean, we'll have to just wait and see it play out. I will say, and this is not being hot takey or anything else. He has a lot to prove in the playoffs because he actually has a lot of high profile bad games in big moments in the playoffs. Everybody does, one or two. He seems to have a lot relative to when he's been there. So I do think he has a lot to kind of learn there. Should they be, in your opinion, favorites to come out of the East? I'm going to give that to Milwaukee. Even though I don't, I I don't, there's something about Milwaukee. I I can't say this, that Brooke Lopez is the glue guy in Milwaukee and they need him. I never thought I'd ever say that about Brooke Lopez being a glue guy. But Do you think Serge Ibaka can be a facsimile of what Brooke Lopez was? I, I like that trade. I thought it was an insurance policy more than a guarantee that he's going to be. Okay. Um, you know, I haven't seen Ibaka play much since Toronto when he was really good. in, the, But he was really good in the finals right. in that series. He might be that kind of player, too, where unimpressive in January, February, March, April. But you get him in a conference finals and... He just knows what to do, and he hit, all of a sudden has more energy than he had the rest of the year, and, and yeah. he helps you win. Um, Brooklyn now with Ben Simmons. You alluded to this earlier. I think Ben Simmons carries a lot of baggage, obviously, with him. I think as like a, a mentally this or that, or you know, skill set or this or that. But I think he's one of the most underrated players. I mean, this guy was really, really good with a glaring flaw that it's the only thing anybody. Would you saw. take Ben Simmons in Denver? Yes, I've said this for a lot. I I, I was hundred percent. Why come to Denver? You I, know, we got sunshine. We got a great city. You know, maybe your mental illness will be under control. Combu- combustible is how I would put it. Is there a chance that he would come? Oh, here? Are you sure he's the combustible guy? 
<laughs> I love this take. I, I can't. Think it's, do you think it's him or is it Embiid? Look, here's my thing. I think it's both. I don't think there's a right or wrong one here. I think one person is taking all of the blame, even though there's probably two sides of this. But the one thing I'll say is I can't rush to his defense because I do think punting on your salary and quitting to the extent that he has is also wrong. So I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, he's right, or I understand, or this or that. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter. He's a fantastic player, and now he gets to go to Brooklyn. I don't know what to make of Brooklyn because they are the opposite of everything you've talked about just now. We talked about the 2014 Spurs. These guys haven't even played together. They're not, they're completely punting on the regular season. And but, a young coach. And a young coach. Uh, but I do look at it and I go, you know what? Ben Simmons has never played with that much spacing. You could put four elite three-point shooters and just scores in general on the perimeter that have to be you have to stick close to and you have to close out hard and in control on. And if you give a guy like Simmons that much space, that's really good. And then you also just have the fact that he doesn't need to have the ball in the half court very often if you don't want him to. He can also play the dunker. He can rebound. He could fast break, whatever. So I look at that and I go, that's actually a really good spot there. And I think, I hate to say it because I don't like the way that they go about their business, but if they do take it seriously and develop winning habits from here to the playoffs, I actually think that's a really good roster now. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I think Ben Simmons was a player that more teams should have went after. I don't know what happened, but there's too many signs that it's just not one guy's fault. Right. And yes, did Ben Simmons and Chris and his agent go overboard with their reaction? Yes. I think he's a player that doesn't love the game. He loves he loves what's what what you what get. you get with the game yeah what to get with the game and he doesn't love the game but hey there are a lot of guys that have won championships that don't love the game right that's interesting how many play what percentage of players do you think truly love the game now in the NBA I'm I'm hoping over fifty percent but I'm not sure I'd bet over fifty percent. I think they love the lifestyle. How many players lose a love for the game when the lifestyle arrives? Well, the lifestyle now is going to arrive in college. Well, you might be right about that. That's interesting. Now is I think the NBA might be able to figure out who loves the game a little bit more rather than trying to figure out in college because I think we're going to see college guys, the transfer portal and all the nightmares, if you do your research, you may probably be able to find out the guys who really do love the game. One thing I'll say just real quickly, I think Michael Porter loves the game. Of all the things you can talk about, you can say about him, and maybe the aspects of the game he doesn't embrace fully, but I do think he's a guy that truly loves basketball, and the amount of money he makes, he's going to just keep wanting to play basketball. Whether or not he can for you know, is another story, but that's my opinion, that's my perspective, that's my read on it. Um, the last one I want to ask you about, Chris Depp's Porzingis gets moved. A weird trade there, because when you talk about talent or big name recognition, Chris Stapps, would you say, okay, he's what do you get for him? You end up getting it. There's a guy I liked. Chris Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. You might be the only person on earth. None of his teammates do. Well, I, I just think he, I loved him at Colorado. Yeah. Well. I thought he was going to be really good, and he was really good. He got hurt, and I, I don't know about He's his, a little strange, his, I think. Well. As a personality, and that matters. Yeah, as a point guard, it matters more. Yeah, it matters more. I mean, I mean, if you want him to be a leader, there's something about it. you got to kind of do the the right stuff. Yeah, Davis Bertans had a great season two or three seasons ago. It was fantastic. He just hasn't done anything since then. 
Um, maybe- um, I thought Washington got a hell of a talent, but talking about a guy that do we know if he loves the game? Do we Porzingis. know if he even wants to be in our country? I mean, it's... Full disclosure, I can't stand Porzingis. So I'm bi- I, I have a hard time but analyzing man, this because I just talented. can't stand him. I, there's nothing I like less than a, a big getting the ball 10 feet from the basket and shooting a 15-foot fadeaway. It's like an unforgivable sin to me, and he does it three times a game. So I, I'm, I'm just too he out on Porzingis. He steps back at the three-point line. I like that one. <laughs> well, okay, a little bit further. <laughs> Turns it into a 25-footer, I guess. Um, all righty. I guess the last thing I want to do, Kelly, if you could pull it up now, um, the last thing I kind of want to go to the NBA as they're doing the 75th anniversary thing. And I got to say, I have a little bit of a pet peeve. I'm going to be an old man here. I don't like player rankings. I just think it's not the right way to look at basketball. So this idea of top 75 players, it can be fun. It could be conversation, but more often than not, it makes me annoyed and it just makes me mad. And I said, why did this thing make me mad? I didn't think I would feel the same way with a coach's one, but here I'm looking at this and I'm not, I know you're going to be a little more gracious, I think, than me, but maybe because, maybe not. But I look at this and I see. What I would like is uh, my record against all those guys. (laughs) Can you put that up for me? Sixth winningest coach of all time. Didn't make the top 15. I mean, what was your reaction? When did you know? Did you know when you just saw it across the timeline? Someone texted me, this suck. And I said, man, what are you talking about? I didn't. I. I. I didn't even know. Yeah. I knew they were going to do it because I voted on the fifteen guys, so I knew it was going to come out. I thought it was going to come out later, but uh, lists lists are for talk radio. Yeah, that's why you have lists. Of course, to create controversy, you got a slow day. Okay, slow let's day. come up with a list. <laughs> You know what's so about this list? It wasn't made by a radio station. It was made by the NBA, and that's the part that gets me so wild is I think maybe the NBA likes this. They like the way everybody talks about it. I don't know. But even if we just let's lean into it now and we talk about it, there are some names on that list that really surprise me when we just talk about, you know, I think I, there's some of the newbies on there. Like, for example, I think Eric Spolstra is an incredible coach. Like, I don't I don't have a, a, a problem with him because I do really believe he's just a, a, a unique and a unique coach. But I do see, like, even, you know, not, Doc Rivers has a lot of wins as well, but I'm kind of a little bit surprised, again, if I just talk about guys, you know, that's another well, one that surprised me. Well, I think the list is, is championships. Yeah. If you have a lot of wins, if I had a championship, I think I made the list. Do you think it was as simple as that? I think a lot of America is kind of... Yeah. They overreact to, to the guy that wins it, and then the guy that got there is now a bum. This is and why that's, you, not, and that's not true. This is why you have James Harden forcing his way out. Because hey, you could say what you want, but you get a championship. Everybody, for, everything's forgiven. Doesn't matter. Now you're on the list. Well, the media is kinder to players than they are to coaches. You think? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the coaches, players are are gaining influence and yeah. power in the league. Yeah. Coaches are losing influence and power in the league. Who are, who are some underrated coaches or, or just coaches that you really, you know, are impressed with right now currently? I don't even know his name. The guy at Memphis is doing it. Taylor Jenkins. I'm, yeah. I was hoping you would bring him up. I, think I don't think he gets up. enough recognition for, uh, for that team. Um, They're think, unique and creative, I think, when they have a lot of talent to juggle. Um, and and their, their talent, it's better. Yeah. Their talent yep. is improving. There's Every a, time, There's yep. a culture there to go with it. Uh, you know, I think Quinn Snyder gets a lot of love, but I think he's deserved. I'd like to see him be a little more 
you know, faster. And but I, I think he's tried to change and uh, play fast. Um, you should have asked me this question beforehand. I'm a big Nate McMillan guy. Sure. I'm glad he's kind of re. I think he's found. I think Atlanta's kind of finding their strut right now. They are for sure. That's definitely true. Is he a hard coach? Yeah, he's old school. Old school hard coach. Even more old school. So one one new mold of coach that I think is interesting, Ty Lue, and I would throw Willie Green. Maybe I mean Willie Green's new. We don't really know enough about him, but these sort of like. They were role players in their era, very good ones, role players in their era from the guard position, but really charismatic, seem to really connect with their players on this level, and then are very, I would call both of them, especially Ty Lue, progressive-minded, meaning they're willing to do to break some molds. And it's like, oh, yeah, now that makes sense. This is like a unique way of doing it. Um, do you see that mold of coach as a sort of new wave mold? I like that. I like both. I, I, I think Monty Williams has got to be on that yeah. list a little bit too. I yeah. think Monty Williams has kind of transformed himself. He was a good coach when he got right, fired. Right. And he sat out a long time. And, right. That's a great and, point. And uh, I think he's come back really stronger and better than ever. Uh, you know, I think I think right now the league is trying to figure out, you know, is young coaches the way to go or or, or the experienced guy? Some of the NBA coaching right now, I would like to see some of the younger benches have more experienced coaches on the bench. It seems like from what I know about the hiring is management now is hiring a lot of the coaches and just not the head coach, but the assistant coach to go with it. I don't like that at all. I think that just opens up a division that's going to blow up on that organization somewhere after one year or five years, but it's going to blow up. Um, but I, I think in general, I think I, I feel bad for Chauncey in Portland because, you know, I think Chauncey... He could be that mold. I mean, he was more of a star player than the other two. Though. But Chauncey, you know, Chauncey has something. You understand, Charisma, Chauncey wasn't a, a blow-up talent guy. He, right, he, right, had, right. To, he had to learn point. how to be a star player. That's a good point. And... Uh, I feel bad because it looks like Portland looks... I don't know what they're doing. But, uh, it looks like they're... so hard to make up. it in the NBA as a new coach because you're right. In any moment, the bottom falls out and you have and, to make... You know, and, and I feel bad for... You know, I hope Steve Nash figures it out, but that's a hell of a hand to be dealt because you now your potential is to win it all. He kind of picked his hand on that one, though. That's the only difference there. He wasn't handed that roster. He kind of chose... He knew what he was getting into as well. But, you know, I mean... Who's yeah? Give me a. Is there a player or assistant coach right now that you think is going to make a great head coach in the next couple of years? But I, I'm going to brag about my son. You know, my son yeah. won the the G League division champ that that token tournament in Vegas. Uh, I think he he's he's got a basketball team that I think he's a good young coach. I think people will start looking at Kobe hopefully a little bit, probably more as an assistant coach. Uh, a good young coach. I, I mean, Jamal Mosley was always on that right, list in right, my mind. Right. Um, Another guy that's going to be hard to evaluate for a while just because of the nature of the team he's coaching. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, the, the, the school of, of 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 coach and lose just is, is so hard for yeah. me to accept. And management now is wanting. There's 
how many of those guys we have now in the league? Right. Yeah. I mean, New Orleans is probably in that mode. No, know? they're trying to win. They're the they're exception, but none of them. Houston, Detroit. I mean, there's no shortage. But I, I think the, the I think uh, the Bickerstaff kid in Cleveland has done a good job. Oh man, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love their uh, I love their team winning on defense. For that's the first team I could think have maybe make some noise in the playoffs because they're they're really good defensively. Them and Memphis, the two young teams that are kind of disrupting the system. Well, all right. Well, we went long here, Coach. This was a good one. Um, it wasn't. You didn't beat me up too much, thankfully. No. Well, what you need to get beat up on is. You think I need to be harder? Come on. This is so. <laughs> this, this city media is so soft. <laughs> <laughs> it is so soft. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was going to say, there's some Pittsburgh coming out of you, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> Philadelphia. How'd you like to be in Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I, I honestly... So I, you listened to the trade deadline show we did yesterday? I did not listen to your show. <laughs> then this is what I'm saying. I you, don't, you don't know if we were hard or not on the team. I got tired of all the excuses all the shows have. Yeah. Why don't you just tell what you think? Yeah. We all are, and I, like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the Nuggets, and I shouldn't be as. I want to win. I want to win a championship, and uh, and I just know the windows. I've experienced the windows opening, and I've experienced them closing. And uh, if you're not cautious, the window could close. I think this season, the last, I mean, Murray hurt his knee almost exactly one year ago. I think this last year kind of hits everybody in the face with that reality that, hey, man, plan for next year at your own peril because next year you have no idea what's going to happen. And, and I think everybody sees that. Um, and, Mur and Murray getting hurt should have motivated us to be more proactive. The maybe, more, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and instead of, okay, let's just see what we are. And, you know, if we don't, if we don't, Whatever it do, we have a we have a building excuse right here. Well, there you go. All right. Well, we're off next week. Obviously, the All Star break uh, will be coming around, but here in two weeks we'll get back together. We'll try to get Andre Miller. It was a drag. We almost had Andre Miller. We'll, we'll, he's on the docket. He will be back at some point. We're gonna solve those technical issues, and we'll have him back. So you want? He was on the podcast. He was on the other back. one. The the what was it called? The um the, the college one. It is the run it back. Yeah, run, run it, it back. back. Yeah. People don't realize Andre Miller, man. And he I, was really good on that, by the way. Was he? I was looking back at some when I was doing research, you know, on on this because I know his NBA career real well. But going back, man, some of the goes up against Arizona has a, a, a triple double, and it was it was like 18, 18, and twelve triple double going up against three future NBA point guards: Mike Bibby, uh, 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 Jason Terry. Uh, a heck of a team, and he put up a triple-double in college, which you don't see very often. So, yeah, he was a heck of a college player. So check that out. Run it back with Andre Miller. Thanks, everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. Don't forget, keeping it 1,000. If you missed this show ever live, it's also a podcast. Keep it at 1,000. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys.